Welcome, BitPickers, to episode 12 of BitPicking, the software engineering podcast. I am Mark. I'm Greg. Hello, Greg. Hi, Mark. I've never noticed that you've started calling them BitPickers. Just got it. It's my bid to be the new Alan Fluff Freeman. <laughs> hey, BitPickers. <laughs> I like it. I mean, we can have a, like, a, the BitPicking crew and stuff like that. Yeah, we could. Nice. Like um, Terry's Togs. Different era for me. (laughs) (laughs) So solid crew. Listeners, if you you were ever a member of Terry's Talks, please uh, get in touch at BitPicking on Twitter. Anyway, Greg, seriously, I've got a question for you. Yes. Should devs do their own QA? Ooh, what a good question. Let's run down the top 40. In with a rocket at number one, Greg, should devs do their own QA? Well, this is a question I find myself uh, thinking about quite a lot. I have come from a team where it was very, very clear as a, when I was a developer that uh, they should. So there was no test team. The concept of having a test team was frowned upon. So it wasn't just circumstantial. It was very intentional. Um, and therefore, in the development process, a lot of effort was placed on um, firstly programmatic solutions uh, to that problem you know so um, things like well it's not it was called selenium back then but web driver mm-hmm. now and, and that kind of thing um, and secondly if it did break you know or something went wrong you were on the hook to do it so there was the the concept of um, you know out of hours on call and that kind of thing so culturally the developers owned it. Subsequently, I left that team um, for natural causes and uh, joined other teams where it was the exact opposite. Um, and the concept of a developer uh, doing any kind of QA was uh, frowned upon. And certainly that if something made its way to live, that they were in any way responsible for that um, was even less uh, welcomed. Um, and so now I'm a bit like, wow, what? Was I in a particularly special place before, or was was that the weirdness? And I've got mm-hmm. some kind of uh, perverse understanding of QA and that kind of thing. So, so, so I'm not sure what the answer is. Well, there's a few questions in there, I think. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, number one is probably what is quality? What, what are QAs looking for? The, the QAs uh, that are QAing the software, uh, what are they looking for? Um, there's another question in there about the, uh, the, the cost factor for me of, of doing that. If you're writing automated tests versus someone Mm -hmm. doing it mainly. Um, and then there's kind of the issue of live support and are you as a dev responsible for your code once it's running on live and how much do you get involved in that? Yep. So... Let's get, let's which, go one, them. which one? Which one should we address? Which should we address first? Number number one. Yeah. So what what, what what is quality? What is quality? What is a what is a QA? So let's let's assume for now that we've got someone who is a QA. Mm-hmm. What are they looking for? I think they are looking for. Although we started the premise where there is a QA person, but there well, is a QA what, thing what, what happening. I, what, what I want to do, work with me on this. <laughs> All right, okay, I've got it. What I want so, to do is, is to say, well, once we understand what they're, what they're doing, is that a function that the devs 
can oh, do I like themselves. It. I like it. I've ruined the big reveal, but sorry, listeners. Well, I think I think for me, QA would be trying to find things about the de- the application or the deployment or the solution that um, would not work as expected, which would both mean bugs, mm-hmm. you know, and hard fails, mm-hmm. but might also mean things that while not you know, while doing what was programmed, possibly don't do what would be expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very much a user side um, activity, you know, looking at it from the outside in rather than the inside out. Um, yeah. I mean. Does a QA have responsibility to uh, look for things that uh, functionally work? that from the perspective of a naive user work, do do what you expect it to do, but actually don't work for the product. Say my product was, was something to increase conversions on a, on a, on a, on a sale. Yeah. I could check that it works functionally. It doesn't crash. Yeah. I could verify that it, it does the thing that it says it's going to do do but if you find that it doesn't actually increase conversions you know you're looking at it and you're kind of going well, i don't see how this is going to actually improve that as a user are they or is that a product owner thing i i think it's more of a product owner thing without getting into the what is a product owner thing i think functionally if it works that should be automated um, so i think it's beyond that does it satisfy the business goal that's the that was the nice concise way that I should have put it. Those, thank you. <laughs> um, I think everybody probably has, you know, should have um, should feel like they can contribute to that discussion. Whether the QA person is responsible for that, probably not. Mm-hmm. But certainly, yeah. I would expect them not to just be. Oh, it doesn't. Well, it would compile because it's gone through deployment, but it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a bit more than that, I think. Otherwise, what are you adding? Um, but I could imagine that you the, the the context that you'd need to know in order to work out whether it was going to achieve a particular outcome mm-hmm. is probably a bit beyond that yeah. that role. Not not the, beyond the comprehension of a QA, but in terms of you know yeah. the, okay. what they've got to do. So so it's somewhere in the middle, which is maybe why this is a bit tough because mm-hmm. how do you draw that line? Well, let me ask you know? this: in this in this mythical unicorn land. I should, I should, I should, I should pretend that I never worked there. You know, but in this mythical unicorn land where QAs were not welcome, why not? Why not have someone sat there? That all sounds like good stuff. Why wouldn't you have someone doing that? Um, well, it's that classic diagram, isn't it? That by the time you've learnt that, if it's gone outside of the dev team into a test team and possibly outside of a test team as well the cost to go back and resolve that is significant compared to whether the developer, um, given you know a, a bunch of process and structure and, and, and stuff around it, a developer to just be able to intuitively fix it while they're there. Or maybe not even but, intuitively, but you know. But is that still true these days, particularly in an agile methodology? Is it is it still true that once it's escaped out of dev and into test that it's expensive well, to fix? Point. I mean, once yeah, upon a, a t- once upon a time, kind of yes, because you you probably would have had to wait for another cycle to deploy yeah, it and true. all those that kind of true. things. But 
these days you can come to me and say i found this bug can you fix it i go yeah i hit my button helpfully provided to me by yeah, yeah. my devops guy but that argument works for not having qa as well doesn't it because well then you you know if it's so trivial to find something and change it you don't need a dedicated team well, it may looking be, for it. It may not be trivial to find it. <laughs> that's true. But it might be trivial to fix it. No, that's it. a good point. And it, it reminds me a bit of our conversation a couple of weeks ago about DevOps. That now that that discipline is is quite well embedded, whatever, you know, however you interpret the phrase, you're absolutely right. You know, DevOps came out of the idea that um, uh, there was this awful lot of cost just to get code live. Mm-hmm. Well, now that's sort of disappeared. Yeah, you're sort of right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, it's not that not that expensive now. No. So fix things that you've you've done wrong. But then I suppose you can argue that there there is a cost that uh, you've had to do this at, at all. If you know, if it if a dev via some fairly cursory looks at their at their code could spot this. Then yeah. you know why should you pay someone else to sit there and try and find it just because the devs can't be bothered? Yeah, but that, that is I, a problem. That is, I mean, I, well, I'm I'm guilty of that myself. I'm I'm sure this code works. I'm sure it works. <laughs> I, I just I just, just push it because you know to spin it up might involve. Oh, now I've got to I've got to set up a database and I might have to set up, you know, some other Redis cluster or something along those lines, right? Because yeah, yeah. these days it's all microservices, so. You know, I can't just spin up the thing in isolation. Uh, so um, actually, it is quite onerous sometimes on me as a dev to spin all that up and check it myself versus just deploying it into a test environment where someone else can go in. Yeah. Well, I say someone else, I, I suppose I mean, the, the absurdity of that statement has just struck me <laughs> as, I, as I've said it, which is if someone else can go and check it in the test environment, <laughs> yeah. so, so can I. But, but, but still it persists. And again, I, you know, I say uh, I've done it as you kind of deploy it and you go, well, I'm, I'm fairly sure. I don't, I don't want to have to go and try and remember all the URLs that I need to hit in order to test the thing out properly. Oh, and I haven't really got the test data, so... Cross your fingers. Mm. Good luck. I mean, on that point, though, the other the other argument I, I, I've sometimes heard for not having a dedicated test team is that the developers will be motivated to automate themselves out of that position, mm-hmm. you know, and knowing that they're responsible for that and they can't hand it off and not wanting to do it, they'll they'll find solutions that allow them to satisfy the goal without actually sitting there clicking through. You know. Well, that, that, that's the thing. G- given not having a QA person, does it mean that someone else picks up the baton or does it mean he just drops on the floor? Well, yeah. I mean, that was the, the eternal struggle in, in yeah. the team that didn't have the test team, um, you know, about sort of making sure that it was still achieved. Yeah. And, and the argument was always, well, if we, if we introduce a test team, then the developers are going to somehow stop caring about whether their code satisfies the goals or not yeah and just well just throw that in because someone else will catch it yeah that was always the argument against introducing the test team but there's also um you know undoubtedly the fact that testing is a specific discipline like in in itself you know you there is a mindset to be applied to to testing that not everyone necessarily 
has and to say that anyone can do it kind of undermines that yeah, yeah, yeah. um and um the other thing is just gonna come back to me <laughs> <laughs> well i think no i think you're right though i've been thinking that it, it all comes back to the specialism thing again doesn't it that yeah. somehow everything gets distilled down that this this person called the developer has to do everything yeah and has to be very good at everything yeah um, and the concept that somebody can specialize in something and then that bit of that function gets carved off and given a title yeah. is quite often frowned upon. And you're right. I think a, you know there is a, a specific um, skill to a tester and there's a career path that you can follow. So to sort of propose that we don't need testers yeah. is to sort of, you know, it's to ridicule all of that, you know. But then can't you also, um, can't you say, well, as a developer, shouldn't I take a certain amount of pride in the fact that my um, my code works properly? Well, it's that definition of works again, though, isn't it? I mean, you know, it, it compiles. It does the thing that was written in the story. Yeah. You know, whether the story was written correct or not, it does do it. Yeah. How far do you expect? Otherwise, everyone's a bloody CEO, aren't they? You know, <laughs> who's expected to understand everything. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But I do think there is definitely that. I, I, I can personally see the argument based on my experience that when there are um, specialists around, the non-specialists who may be specialists in their own area will defer to the specialists. Mm -hmm. So you can, I can totally see that some developers may think, I don't need to be as diligent because I've got the safety of this group of people. Yeah. And I think that's, whether there's a test team or not, you're right, you should have pride in what you're doing and and you you should almost be embarrassed mm -hmm. if... It doesn't work. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so bit, that's, that's, the, the other point, quite harsh. finally, <laughs> finally the, my, my train of thought has caught up right, right, on, right, on right. its schedules and returned to me, <laughs> um, which was, what about the idea that you might have peer review? So I've seen that done. Um, in, in teams, which is uh, we don't have a test team, but you give your story to another developer or in, in our case, it was another pair of developers yeah. uh, to review it. Not review it functionally. Functionally, so not, not at a code level. Or they, they may look at it at a code level, but primarily to, to verify that you've implemented what uh, the story that, says you should have implemented. That is a great idea. Because we do... Well, we. So this magical unicorn team with no testers was also very hot on pairing. Yeah. Almost sounds like you were part of it, Mark. Yeah, I don't remember it. <laughs> um, and since then, I haven't had pairing and, ha and have had test teams, but also have code reviews, which we didn't mm -hmm. have when we were pairing all the time because it was meant to be baked in with the pairing. So we do do code reviews, but it is, it's in GitHub. It's just looking, trying, you know, understanding the code. We've got rules about, you know, what we mm. think is good code and, and, you know, they're designed by the team. Why am I not asking them to compile it and run it? I feel I feel a bit silly that, that we're not doing <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Problem solved. <laughs> Tick. Hooray. Because we do get quite a lot of returns from, from the test team that we do have. Right. Okay. Um, and, yeah, I think I'd rather catch that in the team. Not, from, not from an efficiency thing, but just because I think we, we own it and... Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest that next week. It's also a good way to spread knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. around the team, right? Because you because actually you could sit down and have a discussion about the code and the implementation as well, 
um, if you wanted to. But yeah, I mean, uh, I'm 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 kind of like you. I mean, I, I I saw it done in in one of our teams, but didn't actually really do it anywhere else, and haven't done it since. And yet, it kind of strikes me like you is it's actually a relatively it's like three commands, isn't it? Idea. Git checkout thingy, compile. Well, for for because we're building apps, so <laughs> it's actually self-contained. So yeah, 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 good. Okay. Actually, as someone as someone who today tried to build his first iOS, not not write the code, but checked out an iOS project <laughs> and to build it, it wasn't quite Git checkout compile. Well, I mean, I could. I spent the last year learning all of that, so I could. Fast track you, because right. it can be that. I was going to ping you and ask you about Cocoa Pods, actually. Uh, well, we don't use that. Well, the question I was going to ask is: Is Cocoa Pods like it's, it's old the, school now? Uh, yeah, it, but it is the de facto standard. Right. But all the cool kids are using Carthage, um, which is I I couldn't actually tell you what the difference is. Okay. Other than um, we use Carthage, <laughs> <laughs> hence it is cool. Yeah. Uh, but the thing you really want is a thing called Fastlane. Right. Um, and this is like a load of Ruby wrapper scripts around all the iOS build tools. Um, and then you can create um, what are called lanes. So you'd have a build lane and a deploy lane written in Ruby. Um, and you just say, right, build the app, deploy the app. And then it knows what that means. You know, so. That sounds so simple. To be honest, it is. Right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Lose we went we went from all sorts of of trouble to having a very um simple system but i suppose when i say it's simple it's because when you're building an ios app a lot of the configuration is in the project so when you're calling a an ios app build you're um asking xcode to build the project rather than building it yourself right. if that okay. makes sense yeah. so you you end up sort of rigging up all of the config inside the project itself okay. and then you when you're on a sort of jenkins jenkins is just passing over to xcode and saying right right okay. build it and then with fastlane you have you pass over to fastlane he passes over to xcode so good this has been the <laughs> ios hour <laughs> yeah i didn't get on to that this Excellent. is all about testing yeah i know we're talking about testing <laughs> So I want to put this to you, uh, having just un, you know had had the the epiphany of um, kind of peer review within within dev teams. Well, but, it's peer um, peer uh, functional review. Peer, yeah, yeah, peer testing. Um, so um, one really interesting idea I saw was actually out of Atlassian, right. famous for Jira, Confluence, all that kind of stuff. Jira. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Daggers. Um, so they uh, they released a video. Actually, it was a, it was a couple of years ago now, so probably two or three years ago, where they talked about their testing strategy, um, and essentially a journey that they'd been on, where their testers were no longer actually doing testing. Um, their their test team, which which actually was only, I think, two or three people. Um, their job was actually to mentor developers on how to do testing and write automated oh, okay. tests. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about that? I think that the developers wouldn't take kindly to it, but I could, I can totally see how you get to that. Yeah. You know, one of the teams I was in um, a while ago had a test team, and I'd sort of challenged this guy and said, you know, your job should be to 
sort of do yourself out of a job mm-hmm. um, by automating all the tests. And then I didn't say it quite like this, but we'll find something else for you to do. And that something else was to embed the testing, um, well, what you're saying really, I suppose, yeah. embed the yeah. testing culture into the team. Uh, but he didn't really want to do it and the developers didn't really want to do it. So it was quite a struggle. Well, here's an intriguing thing. I've never met a tester who actually really knows anything about test-driven development. <laughs> Which seems to be a massive oversight, isn't it? Do you think as a tester in 2019, you should be allowed to... I suppose test-driven... Understanding test-driven development? Yes. I, I, I may have misheard the question. I think it, I think it, I think you should know what test driven development is. Okay, yeah. my question was: Should you be allowed to get away with it? Oh, no. So the answer no. is no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you shouldn't. Um, no, you shouldn't at all. I forgot where I was going to go. Well, I just find it remarkable. I, oh, I, I find it remarkable that, that that this is not considered a core skill. I, you know, I can I can understand. I suppose as a tester, you're not doing it all day every day, but well, I think because maybe test-driven development because quite a lot of the tweets I see are about people um, still trying to embed TDD at a developer level and I think it's become synonymous with developer testing so if you're a tester and are self-identifying as not a developer you probably with the things mm. that you know I see thinking that it's it's got nothing to do with you it's all just unit tests and that's the end of it yeah you know so I'm not going to invest my time in that TDD is interesting to me as well because I have this feeling that uh, it is uh, almost kind of seen as necessary to put TDD in job adverts. We need to know TDD. I think very, very, very few of those people are actually doing test-driven development as opposed to writing tests, which are two very different disciplines, I think. But the trouble with all of that is that it ends up getting really really principled and wanky doesn't it like <laughs> e-tag <laughs> but you know what I mean like it's like well, you, the way you do test TDD is not quite how the forefathers thought it should be <laughs> therefore you're not well, I suppose you know, people would just call it automated <laughs> testing yeah tested development rather than, for me test driven is a very specific discipline yeah um, and uh, see also DevOps yeah, <laughs> and maybe maybe actually, I just have to come to peace with it. Doesn't mean anymore what it used to mean right. or or should mean. Maybe we need to find other words to describe that practice. Have you read the um, the commit test revert thing? Okay, yeah, yeah. I can't yes. remember what it was. Yep. So this is where essentially you, uh, if your tests fail, oh, it's test commit revert. That's it. Yeah. TCR. Yes. Yeah. So you. you Run the test. If it fails, you revert, revert the code. Start again, and if not, you commit it. Yes. And uh, this is picking up steam as a as a a way to develop. Yeah, I must admit, I haven't really apart from seeing it kind of mentioned in various places on Twitter. I haven't really sort of got into understanding it because I think it it started as a as a just a kind of thought exercise. Yeah, I think so. My understanding, yeah, yeah. Right? Which is yeah. well, what if you what if you did this, yeah. and then. Some people took it very literally. Well, I think it's intended to be literal. I think the idea is rather than sort of frigging your tests to make them work, um, or your code to make your test pass, you literally just get rid of it. And then you try again, you know. Um, and there's that whole thing about the second time you do something, you've learnt from the first time and all that kind of stuff. 
I think, to be fair, I haven't read. There was a blog post a few weeks ago about it. Um, and uh, this is quite funny because we had a recent episode on this. It got to his setup and he said, so I've started using Node. So if you want to follow along, you have to get yeah. check out this Node repo and then npm install dash g, all this other stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, switched off. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, as well as checking out an iOS project there, I checked out some Go code as well. Goes which, weird to compile, isn't it? Yeah, I have, I didn't really kind of get into get get too deep. I, I got to a point where I was like, I don't actually need to be running this code, so I'm <laughs> I'm not not yet invested the time in. Then so Go is very prescriptive, right? On in terms of where you put your code and and how it's structured. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I just uh, yeah, I had a I had a project I needed to compile and I wang together four or five Stack Overflow answers and it suddenly worked and I left it at that. <laughs> I remember thinking, yeah. I, don't, I have no idea what I've just done. Yeah. I'll let the test team deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned about not having a dev, uh, test team and then um, you know introducing one later, mm. which seems like that's a path that you could probably get into quite easy. But what about having one and then getting rid of them? Because I do wonder that whether some test teams exist on the basis that that they exist. Yeah. You know, um, because the concept of saying we're getting rid of our test team to a bike shedder is so, so dark, out there. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 that yeah. you'd never be able. So it's sort of. You could never ask the question, yeah, or, or you could never challenge it. Like, oh, what if we didn't have a test team? Yeah, you know, I agree. Um, and also, test. Um, I've seen situations where test teams seem to grow out of control as well. Oh, really? Like almost like the reaction to finding bugs in your software is to add another tester rather than actually <laughs> yeah. improve standards in the in the development. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've come across environments that seem to have far more testers than they do developers. I think is very odd. Yeah. Um. I mean, actually, I would I would refer you back to the um the Atlassian video, right? Which I must dig out and put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Um, because the interesting thing about that was not that they went, we're going to create this test team or the you know this team that go in and mentor TDD. They essentially kind of refactored their way to it right. over the course of probably four or five years. Um. You know, where they they started out, they had a traditional test team, and then they started getting that test team more involved in in the development lifecycle earlier on, sitting with developers, understanding what code developers were writing. Yeah. I went through a variety of stages before they finally got to the point where actually we, now we've just got these three girls and boys who uh, work with developers to help them understand how to write better tests and right, you know, right. and that started with for example at the at the beginning of a story sitting with the developers to understand what are the testing implications of this what things are you going to have to test yeah um you know are there perhaps security related implications from what you're doing or are there going to be particular uh, inputs that are going to cause this a problem and you need to make sure now that it deals with those those inputs before mm. they actually at the back end would test it you know and over time they managed to train people effectively enough that they then didn't have to test it um, afterwards because they knew that it was all taken mm. care of up front 
So if anyone's looking to get rid of their test team, that may be a a path that you can take. Because you're right. I mean, no one's going to willingly say, get rid of our testers. Mm. Um, um, But at the same time, you know, it is a case of if you really want to get better. Yeah, you've got to sort of do something different sometimes. Yeah. And it is easy for test teams to become a bit of a backstop. And just catch all of those. All yeah. Those and certainly, like, um, some test teams I've interacted with are quite powerful hmm. in that respect. You know, they can block releases. Yep. Um, they can, um, you know, they, they can feed back and say this is not good enough. Um, and what I struggle with with that is that it's a bit like saying, well, we shouldn't have a test team at all. And people would just, like, raise their eyebrows and go, what are you talking about? When somebody raises something and then you try to go back and say, yes, but I'm quite happy to carry that. Like that mm-hmm. thing you've raised, like I, I, I'm quite happy to go forward with that. That's also quite hard as well, mm. you know, um, because people are like, but we've identified it. We've, we know there's a bug. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like you can't yeah, possibly All the while it. there's a bug on the backlog Yeah, you can't you release. Um, and I think it can be, you know, sometimes the, the, the testing can um, become a bit too powerful. And maybe maybe the issue there is that we're talking about test teams. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. And, and and actually testing is a cross-functional mm. concern and should be uh, treated in that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think most of the time we're saying team, we just mean the test people, wherever they sit. Yeah. And then sometimes it is a special team. Yeah. It's that thing though, isn't it, where if you, you know, sometimes this whole cross-functional team thing, I struggle with the... The um, uh, the productivity of people. I hate that word, but I've certainly been in a situation where I've tried to put the tester on the team, but they've sat there with nothing to do for a bit. Yeah, you know, because the, 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 the stuff hasn't been developed yet, and then you end yeah. up in a situation where you you have them on the team, but they're testing things from the previous iteration. Yeah, which then of course breaks your whole done done situation yeah absolutely yeah i mean well that is that is, that is a problem and, and similar to we discussed a couple of weeks ago wing wing uh about uh devops which is you've got someone whose whose workflow is not necessarily the same as the uh, as the dev team so you're right you know they, there may be a point where they can't do anything um for you know a few weeks well i did not a few weeks yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah there's a point in time where where they haven't got much to do um, or they may be, like you say, testing old stuff, or maybe even chances are getting they're getting involved in other stuff and having to test other people's, you know, yeah. or other or yeah, other yeah. teams' um, uh, code as well. So uh, handling that organisationally is, is is difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly one of the things um, we tried in the in the mythical unicorn land where we didn't have QAs. Uh, Why do we keep calling it that? Because it did exist. <laughs> and yeah, it was quite no, successful. In the very real place where we didn't have QAs, but actually, at one point, we did, we did introduce um, a QA just to kind of say, well, how, how's this going to work? Um, and one of the things we struggled with was your point of you know done done in the sprint. Is there enough time in a two week sprint to uh, you know design and build? And test and deploy, um, and if, and if you if you haven't, how do you, you? You've now got stories that run over multiple yeah, yeah. iterations. You get you know is is 
done at the end of the sprint built but not tested or is it built and tested and ready to deploy and you know those kind of questions are are quite difficult and maybe it's just overthinking it Um, yeah definitely i think that's where someone would say let's be pragmatic yeah or something and then you go yeah okay let's just keep going yeah we also one of the other interesting things actually out of that 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 struck me was um that we ended up in that situation in a conversation with the product owner and the QA and the dev team lead about who was responsible for which bits. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone wanted to draw these nice lines that said, well, that's your responsibility and that's your responsibility and this is my responsibility. But actually, there's you know there's a lot of overlap when it comes to quality. Yeah, 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 yeah. It feels like there is a lot of overlap between those, those three roles. Um, you know, we talked about the, should the QAs uh, have some concept of the whether it's met the business goal. Mm. You know, actually, maybe that's a product owner thing. But at the same time, you, if you're going to be a really valuable QA, that's something that you've got to be mm. thinking about. Well, as I well. think they should. I mean, we sort of mentioned this earlier in, in the whole power thing. I think they've got to be able to be a, be part of the conversation. So I think the QA person should come forward and say. I've spotted this. I don't think it meets the goal. Can we talk about it rather mm. than fail, fix it? Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, and then I do think there has to be some clear, um, you know, mandate of who's going to make the final call. Yeah. You know, but certainly I think, I think the QA person should be expected to bring those things to the table. Yeah. You know, and we also had, you know, as part of that discussion, talked about the non-functional requirements um, in the sense of, well, yeah, this, this works, but you realise now the app is getting a bit more clunky or yeah, a bit yeah, slower yeah. Um, or this page is now getting quite busy, whereas once upon a time it was a nice clean design, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of overlaps between all of those three roles. And yeah. It comes back to what we seem to end up saying every week. Which it is, depends. It's, well, it's, well, but it's all about the collaboration. It's all <laughs> oh, I about see. Just yeah, being angle. nice yeah, yeah. to one another yeah. and all working together, which is. Yeah, it is, though. I was just thinking there, like, you know, how do you conclude it? Um, and the thing is, it is sort of all of the above, but with a very um, healthy, healthy sprinkling of. Um, I don't know words. This is going to be awkward for listeners. <laughs> Insert your own word here. <laughs> Um, is it bullshit? No, like where you <laughs> you're reasonable and you you know you listen to other people and respect. Let's call it respect. Respect. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't I think of my word? I don't know. Yeah. I do think there's like I've got a a, um, a proper thing where when I'm thinking too much, <laughs> like it doesn't engage my the dictionary part of my brain, <laughs> and I revert to like eleven year old speak. <laughs> That's true. I'm not even always, sure that's for always, the podcast. I'm just telling you. Podcast, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. You know... You, Caveman brain. Yeah. But in terms of the testers, yeah. and pretty much the theme of the entire okay. podcast is, you know, you, you've, got to, you've got to be... A, as an individual on a team, whatever your role is, you've got to be aware of what everyone else is doing. You've got to respect that everyone else is acting in the best interest. You should feel this whole safety thing, you should feel like you mm-hmm. can bring stuff, but you know what, if it doesn't go your way, you you know, that's what the team's decided and you yeah. move on as a group together until the next decision point, you know. Yeah. So. 
There was a third question, which is... Oh, right, I, just, I got us on the wound down. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly occurred to me. Which was, uh, the third question was, uh, should dev teams be responsible for live support? Oh, yes, we did bring that up. The answer is yes. End segment. I'm not going to disagree. Okay. <laughs> I can't see why anyone would, would think otherwise. I mean, it blows my mind that there are teams who are not responsible for fixing their own crap on yeah, live. Yeah, sure. And when they don't, um, it just builds animosity because then suddenly someone else is having to fix someone else's yeah. crap and yeah. is in on a Saturday night or yeah. or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think it certainly builds ownership. And, and and I definitely do believe, as much as people may think that it's too much pressure and all that kind of stuff, I do think that if if it's very clear that you're accountable for something, you will behave in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, you will be, you will act in more safe ways yeah you know because you don't want to be called in or you don't want the embarrassment of it failing or whatever yeah so i do think it's um it's an effective stick i suppose you know on the plus point i think that is now a generally accepted thing that dev teams will look after their own stuff yeah even down to being on call for 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 their own yeah 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 it's true it's true Certainly the teams I've worked on has been quite high degrees of ownership. So. Yeah. So all that said, Mark, our question was, should devs do their own QA? Uh, where do you think we got to? I think the best answer we came up with was, no, another dev should do, should do your true. QA for that you. That was the revelation of the episode. So yeah. uh, I think I'm going to try that. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, I think the message is, you absolutely have to be responsible for your own quality. You should be doing some aspect of the QA job. However, I don't think we should uh, rule out Q- specialised QAs. Yeah. I think they have a very important role to play um, in bringing a testing mindset. I think it's how you use them uh, that is the important thing. agree. Very cool. All right. Another one done. We'd love to hear your QA related hilarity. Yes, we would. <laughs> at Bitpicking on Twitter for your QA stories. Do you have QAs? Do you like your QAs? Are you a QA? Do you think we have QAs listening to this podcast? I hope so. Well, yes, because of all the developers. Hey, <laughs> there we go. Do you think there's a QA podcast somewhere? Well, there must be. I'm going to go and find out. Excellent. All right. Well, another one done. Thick. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Greg. Bye. Bye.